Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Win Today podcast, an inspirational and performance-focused podcast that will inspire you to win today by connecting with amazing leaders and sharing amazing stories. You will learn from some of the most intentional, disciplined, and heartwarming people on the globe, people who will propel you forward and give you tools to succeed in any situation. My name is Ryan Cass, and I am your host. It is my purpose in this world to inspire people to establish a foundation for sustained success and chart a desirable course for life. Thank you so much for tuning in. In order to help us grow, I believe the best gift is to give back. And if what you hear resonates with you and helps push you forward in life, then please help us grow and reach more people by subscribing to the podcast, sharing it, and if you feel led, clicking one of those buttons that has five stars and writing a review. Thank you so much. Let's connect with our guest. What's up, everyone? Happy New Year and welcome to the first interview of 2023. I'm honored to have Joe DeSena, who is the founder and CEO of the House of Hard, which consists of Spartan, Tough Mudder, and various other portfolio companies. In addition to that, Joe is a New York Times bestselling author. His most recent book is 10 Rules for Resilience. In addition to that, he is the host of the Spartan Up podcast. Joe, been following you for a long time. It's an honor to have you on the Win Today podcast. Let's win today, baby. Let's do it. Thanks for having me. Let's do it. So one thing that I love to ask people right off the bat, because what this does is kind of gets to the core of someone. People can read about you on Google all day long, and there's dozens of podcast appearances that you've made. But what's something that is not on your resume or bio that that makes you really proud and why? Mm, what makes me really proud and why that nobody would know? Um, I guess that I was a little bit of a mama's boy. Like my mother... Um, rest in peace. She was, she was awesome. And, uh, I don't know. I just, um, I was inspired by her, my dad as well, the rest of the family, the guys in the neighborhood, but she, she was tough. You know, she taught yoga. She, um, she meditated, she ran, she inspired people in the neighborhood to do, to do hard shit. Um, she introduced me at a young age to a 3,100 mile run in Queens, New York, which still exists today. And, um, I don't know. I, she drove me nuts, but at the same time, she inspired me. And so, uh, way back when, when I was growing up, it was a, it was a term that, you know, you are mom, are you a mama's boy? And, and, um, and that was a negative thing, but I would say, yeah, I, I was. I love that. And it's really cool to ask that question. And 99% of the time, the answer is something that relates back to family. You know, we've got people that have been, very financially successful. Their rap sheets go on for, for days. But when you really boil down to what really makes you proud, like what's really at the heart, it, it comes down to that, to that family piece. So I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. I love studying leaders 
and what makes people who they are. We were talking a little bit about, you know, why I do what I do before coming on air. And when I see someone like David Goggins or the Jockos of the world, the Joe Rogans, the Rich Rolls, you're like, okay, what's the story? And then when you discover Spartan races and who's the person behind Spartan, like, okay, what's the story? And I find it so unique that your story and a lot of where you learned how to work hard was influenced by working for, for people in the mafia and cleaning pools. Can you talk a little bit about your, your upbringing and how the, the mafia, the mobsters influenced who you are today? Yeah, no, and you know, it was the neighborhood, really. I think uh, we are all a product of our environment. And that neighborhood, if you saw the movie Goodfellas, um, it obviously had bad components to it, bad outcomes, folks going to jail, getting killed, et cetera. But, but there was a lot of good, too. And, and when I reflect back on the good, it was that hustle, that hard work, that up early in the morning. There were tons of families that you know were multi-generational that owned pizza places or uh, brickyards or masonry businesses or tow truck companies. And, and you'd go into their house and mom was cooking pasta and sauce, you know, for five hours while she had the CB radio and she was dispatching trucks at the same time. So, you know, you grow up around that and you either, you know, get with the program or, or you get left behind. And so the program was, uh, you better hustle. You better be tough. Um, a lot of people we know go to jail, right? As I reflect on how I felt growing up. And so can you do the time? Can you not be a rat? And then on the other side in the neighborhood, my mother miraculously finds yoga, meditation, health food, which was so foreign um, back then, but also so foreign to that neighborhood I just described. Um, that required a lot of resilience and strength and grit to go up against the family and tradition and rituals um, and put, you know, push back like she did. So that, that was also something that was mm -hmm. influencing me. Um, I just found out last, I was wondering why I've been doing cold showers since I'm like preteens. And I just found out last night, somebody sent me something and my, you know, my mother, like I said, she was into yoga, she taught yoga, but this particular type of yoga, that she was into were, was pushing the whole cold shower thing back then. So, um, so I think it was a little bit of like, Hey, Joe, are you tough enough? Because you might have to do a decade in jail, but also I'm sure my mom said something, you know, that's what started it up. Yeah. So yeah, product, of, product of my environment for sure. Um, and then look, these guys, you know, they did a study once they were trying to figure out why these fast runners came from a, certain neighborhood in Africa, right? And was it the oxygen? Was it the way they trained? What was it the blood? Was it the genetic? Like, what was it? And what they found was, no, um, there were a couple of folks in that neighborhood, in that, in that town in Africa that had won a marathon and got the nice house up on the hill and had the Mercedes. And so all those young kids looked up at that house and said, I want that. And now they had, you know, they had a purpose, they had a path to getting it. And so I think the same thing happened for me and a bunch, a bunch of my, my, my friends, grow, like we saw the big houses, we saw the nice cars, we saw 
the folks with rolls of hundred dollar bills in their pockets and like, all right, what do they do? And we got to do it. And we weren't distracted back then with phones, you know? Um, yeah, we, we weren't distracted like, like my kids are with all, all this media. It was like uber focused on getting ahead. Yeah. I love the the study reference and it makes me think about this book I read a few years ago. It's called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And it's basically looking at some of like those villages where the top marathon runners come from, or even, you know, why certain people dominate their their sports. So with tennis, they were looking at, you know, these this small neighborhood in Russia. And then with golf, if I'm not mistaken, it's South Korea where some of the top women golfers come from. And there was no secret sauce. I guess one cool thing was with the tennis players in in Russia when they went to the gym, they were expecting to hear, you know, tennis rackets going off. And the the instructor was teaching them blind movements first. Like, you know, we're not, we're gonna learn the movement almost like, you know, Mr. Miyagi. You know, hey, we're not we're not going in and straight to the fight. You know, you're going to learn wax on, wax off, and that's what these tennis players were doing uh, without without the ball. But going back to your point that it was the environment that influenced it. So those early days, you were you were cleaning pools. Can you talk a little bit about that that toughness you're building while also cleaning pools and learning how to run a business at at an early age? Because I know that again, just influenced you today. I got to tell you, um, if you want to raise some tough kids, um, get them in the swimming pool business in the Northeast. <laughs> it's because I got to tell you, like at a very young age, I was lucky that my neighbor was the head of the banana organized crime family, took me in under his wing, had me clean his pool. And very quickly, like I, I couldn't get labor. There were no kids that were, um, you know, descendants of these kinds of guys in the neighborhood that wanted to do this work for short money. But we, you know, the, the cover of the pool when you got there in the spring was black and had frogs in it and it was full of leaves and it was disgusting and it smelled and you had to deal with it. And then you had to pull this friggin' heavy cover off the pool, right? And you had to clean things up and make it perfect and deal with chemistry because Maybe, maybe the water was black or maybe you screwed up and you somehow dumped that cover into the pool. And now you had to deal with Mrs. Catapano who wanted to kill you because Johnny's <laughs> birthday was coming this week. Um, you had to figure out electricity, right? Because you had, you had to run the pump and the light in the pool. You had to figure out um, plumbing. Like it was, it was a pretty um, educational business that required tremendous amounts of hard work, especially, you know, late eighties, early nineties. But, but, um, but I was fortunate. I, I, I had, I had work ethic. I wanted to get ahead. I, um, I think I was one of these guys that maybe just plows forward and doesn't sit back and think about big picture and like, Hey, do you really want to be doing this? It's like, Hey, we're doing this and we're going to keep doing this and we'll, who knows? Maybe we'll make a left or a right along the way. But um, I found so many folks at that time that would instead sit still and not do anything until they, quote unquote, found the thing. And mm -hmm. so you end up doing nothing. And, and for me, I got really lucky, like I said, because I was just doing. 
And then, and then doing led to another thing. And before you know, it, we were doing construction and then that led somehow I ended up on wall street. So I'm a big believer in, you know, fire ready aim, um, gain momentum and then just see where it leads. Because if you're in, if you're in the arena, right. If you're in the Coliseum, like shit's happening, but if you're not, um, life is passing you by. Yeah, absolutely. I found your your journey so remarkable remarkable between listening to Spartan Way and then you've gone on Rich Roll's podcast a couple times and really shared the the story more in depth and and some key de- some key details, but I love it, man. It, and and I'm also an advocate for just go get it done, man. Write it down, go freaking do it. Make it public, you know, another thing that you say from the book, but I'm with you. And Taking something from your book, because I think this is this is really neat, especially since we're in a new year and we're not going to talk about resolutions. I think those are those are crap. But what's really cool to get people moving forward, you talk about this concept of the true north in the Spartan way. Can you unravel that a little bit? You know, what what is that? And how can someone identify what their true north is? Because I think once you've got that it's so easy to do that ready aim fire, as you mentioned. Fire ready aim. Fire ready aim. My bad. <laughs> fire is the old days, um, right? When when it required a ton of time to load and reload a musket, um, like you did not you did not want to take a bad shot. And and today, uh, you could take a hundred bad shots. It's like the world moves so fast. Um, purpose or why, right? True north. Hard thing to figure out, um, lay out on a piece of paper, all the things you love, all the things you hate on the other side of the piece of paper. What would you do, you know, if, um, if you had all like, you had all the money in the world, what would you do? If today was your last day on earth, what would you do? Um, what would you do even if you weren't great at it? Like if you, if you knew you were going to fail, but you you do it anyway, like that's probably an indication of what you absolutely love. For me, in those early days, my my true north, my purpose was like, was I tough enough? You know, I did. I needed to to look in the mirror and find out. Like, you know, I grew up with red hair and light skin. I was Italian. I was in an Italian neighborhood. Everybody had dark hair, dark skin. They just looked tougher. They were tougher. And so, I think I was pressure checking myself for, for a decade to see, like, could I hang? And, and then, and then it became, I want to make money. My purpose, my drive, my, my true North was, I want, I just want to put away some money. I want to someday have a nice house, a family, a car. And then, and then it became um, really purposeful for me. I stumbled upon this idea of transforming lives. And I started to get feedback from my customers, from our customers Saying, oh my God, I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I gave up drink, drinking. I gave up drugs. I lost 60 pounds. Um, I didn't kill myself. And so um, my true north, my purpose became literally just getting more of those messages, just changing lives. So it can change. Um, I've never thought of this before, what I'm about to tell you, but I, but it just occurred to me for 2023, anybody listening, like I can lend you uh, well, I should have came up with this years ago. I could lend you a true north of purpose um, if you can't figure it out, and then you could you could have it evolve into into your own. But I I think twenty twenty three should be um, you want to be unbreakable. 
Like if you can't figure out what your thing is, become unbreakable. Because if you, if you work towards becoming unbreakable, when you do figure out what your thing is that you're going to chase, like you're more likely to hit that target. So, so why don't you borrow one from us and, um, and become unbreakable in 23. Ooh, this is a perfect segue. Let's talk about becoming unbreakable, doing, doing hard shit. You know, what we were talking about before. I love it. You got to do, you got to do hard stuff. You know, we practice piano, um, as a species, we practice math, we practice language, we practice dancing. Um, but for some reason we don't practice hard. And, and the reason we don't practice hard, when I talk to the scientists and the biologists and the psychiatrists, like, our brains require a lot of energy, you know, and that, and that brain, everybody should name their brain, by the way, so you can have conversations with it. Um, but that brain you have inside your head, it, it's saying, listen, Joe, um, I don't want to do this this morning because we're going to expend so much energy. That's dangerous. And it was dangerous a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand years ago. It was. We didn't know if we had food around the corner. We didn't know if we had safety. We didn't know if we had shelter, water, like Doing, doing hard things was the, I, I would advocate back then, I would say we should be selling couches and penicillin. But today, today we have everything at our fingertips mm-hmm. and um, we're completely complacent. Um, we don't realize it, but, but we're chasing softer, easier, fatter, sicker. Like that's what we're chasing all day, every day. And so our, our brain actually needs hard stuff, but it's legacy wired, it's legacy hardware from 10, 20, 30,000 years ago. And it's like, time out. Don't do the workout this morning. Drink that cup of coffee, read the news, check Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's to do the workout, right? Yeah. And so you got to smack yourself around and say, no, no, we're going to do, do the hard thing. Because when you do and you practice adversity, you practice hard things, number one, you get tremendous health benefits. Um, was with an 85 year old guy the other day. You know, what was a secret? Cause the guy was active. He was skiing. He said, you got to get out of breath every day. Got to get out of breath. I got to stay a little hungry every day. You got to take a cold, like again, another believer in like take a cold shower. Mm-hmm. So doing hard things, um, in this day and age, um, is absolutely the secret uh, to success, the secret to longevity, the secret, by the way, to happiness. Let's go down that road for a second. You want to be happy. You think the Ferrari or that girl or that guy or that nicer house or that special restaurant, that meal, you think, we think they're going to make us happy, but, but actually they don't. Actually, they don't. What makes us happy is going in the reverse direction. You have to take some things away and then get back to where you are. And you're like, oh my God, this is the greatest grape I've ever had because you didn't eat for the last six hours and you ran 20 miles. That's why. But mm-hmm. if you eat grapes after coming off, you know, ganolis and cheesecake the night before in a climate control, you'd be like, these grapes aren't any good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I'm with you, man. And, and I, I think really, if you break it, break it down, the only thing that could stop anyone anywhere in this life is themselves. There's, there's nothing else. At least I believe that there's nothing else. And it's the the freaking voice that gets in your head. 
I got tapped on the shoulder like eight weeks ago to go help a couple of very wealthy individuals supply a bunch of aid in the Ukraine. But they insisted that to do it, I had to get to the highest level in the Ukraine. I had to get to the president. I had to get to like, and I'm like, how the hell am I going to do that? How the hell am I? And, you know, two and a half weeks later, I'm sitting in Klitschko's office. I'm in Zelensky's office. I'm like, this is unbelievable. And all it required was actually just putting your head down, putting the blinders on and just getting after it. To your point. Like, and so I say to people just that, I say, you can literally do it. The only thing that's going to stop you is like, yes, your brain, but, but also an injury. So let's make sure we practice hard. Let's make sure we, we take care of ourselves. So, and by the way, even an injury shouldn't stop you. How many folks came out to Ukraine with me missing arms and legs and like wounded vets that were just animals? They were like, nothing gets in their way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank, thank you for going out to Ukraine, by the way. I watched that interview. That was, that was amazing. And just really kudos to you. And again, speaks volumes to your leadership and just going out and, and getting it. What are some tips that, that you have for pushing past those voices that, that, that are always going to end up in our head, no matter, no matter who we are? Well, number one, you name your brain, right? And so you're like, let's, let, you know, whatever the name you come up with is, um, I think somebody said to me yesterday, the young kid I was talking to, he said he named, he named his brain Tim. So let's use Tim as the example. You wake up and you, you got to go run 10 miles. You're like, I don't, Tim is like, I don't want to run 10 miles today. You're tired. You didn't recover well. You didn't have enough carbohydrates yesterday. He did legs yesterday. It was leg day yesterday. Can't, Tim, Tim's like, we can't do it. And so you sit down and you talk to Tim and you work through it. And you're like, we're doing the 10 miles. And you're a mile in and all of a sudden Tim jumps in and it's like, we can't do this. And you respond with, we already had this discussion, Tim. We're like, we're doing it. No more discussion. The same way you would with an actual person across from you, right? Now you might seem crazy in the neighborhood people see you talking to yourself, but <laughs> knowing that your brain's going to get in the way, it's a good thing because now, now you know what you're they, like. Obstacles are hard if you don't know what they are. Much easier if you know, like, all right, I'm going to face resistance all day, every day, not only from my brain, but naysayers around me or whatever. And that's just part of the deal. So knowing it is good. Number two, practice hard, right? If you practice, when I take that cold shower in the morning, it sucks. Or I do that workout and it sucks. The next time I face something really difficult, I can reflect back on that and say, wait a minute, I did this. We did this. We can get through it. So, you know, I, I, I like to say Eastern Europeans, um, Eastern Europeans are unbelievable because they grew up, especially, you know, back, if you go back to the 80s, 70s, 60s, they grew up in really tough environment. And so, like, if you said to them, we got to run 10 miles, they'd say, that's all we got to do. I'll do that. <laughs> like, it's no big deal. Right. Um, so definitely practice hard. Um, definitely get to know and understand this idea that you're going to face resistance um, every day. And number three, reframe it. Um, have a tremendous amount of gratitude. Like you, you mentioned it earlier, like things happen for us. And so I would say you're out there in that run. You're two miles in now. Tim's really picking up um, the discussion, getting you to stop. And you're like, I get to do this, Tim. There's mm -hmm. Out there missing legs and arms, they can't run, or maybe they 
They got to work 15 hour days because they got to put food on the table. Like we get to do this, Tim, stop already. Stop. Yeah. I'm sending you back to Eastern Europe. Yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> okay. None of your four kids are named Eldred, right? No. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I love the naming your brain. And I went to this conference or a course earlier this year called Create Powerful. And it was basically, you know, how to create power in our life from an ontological leadership perspective and ontological really being just, it's the science of, of being, right? Like we're human beings, but like right now we are being with each other. We're creating a powerful conversation. We're not allowing this human to take over. And for me, I was like, okay, I know that, for instance, going through a tough run that, you know, the, the brain, I na- so I named mine. I was like, what would I never name my kid? Eldred. Sorry if anyone named Eldred is listening, <laughs> but I'll be going through a tough pace and I'm like, damn it, man. And, uh, you know, Eldred's like, Hey man, you can slow down. I'm like, shut the, f-, you know, like <laughs> I'm going to keep going, man. And, and another one that I like, and I, I love everything you said is I had uh, Steve Magnus on the podcast and he's, he's the author of do hard things. And one tip he brings up, which you also mention in the Spartan way is creating psychological distancing. When our brains hear a voice other than I or me, and they say like, okay, you got to go or let's freaking go. Joe is in someone else is saying it that can allow you to push through the tough times as well. And like, for instance, uh, I finally got my Boston qualification this year. Um, it's been a five-year journey and, you know, 2019, I got hit by a car during a training run, got back up, you know, woke up in the trauma unit. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep going. We're going to, we're going to get back and do this thing. 2021 at the Wilmington Marathon, mile 24, got ripped off the course with a rhabdo, ended up in the, in the ER again. And then 10 months later this year, I'm like, all right, I'm going back, man. Like, you know, if I, if I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And sure enough, those demons that Eldred mile 22 and 23 are coming up and, and it, and it's, it's getting hard. And, I wish someone had a, a recorder of me at those miles, but I'm like, you got to fucking go. Let's go. And mile 24 ended up being my fastest mile of the race. Yeah. But a lot of this stuff can get solved through self-talk and reframing. Like I just, I'm, I'm just expanding on the point that none of what we're talking about is rocket science. No, it just requires you to do it. I, I, a mantra that I, I had always said was, you know, it could be worse. And then I, and then I go, you know, to those wounded vets or living in a really tough place or like, and then the other one I say to myself is like, you got to kill me. Like I'm not stopping. Mm -hmm. I'm getting this, like you'd have to kill me to stop. And that alone, that inspires, right? Like, and then don't forget all the endorphins and everything being released while you're doing that hard thing. If you could just push through that voice, you're going to get another dose of chemicals released in the brain. Yeah. So. Do you, do you have a definition of hard? Because looking through some of the things you've done, even in a one week span where you did bad water of 135, I think you did an Ironman and 
a couple marathons, like all within a week. <laughs> what, what is hard for you? Hard for me is anything I don't want to do. I mean, I, I used to say to people all the time, like the first 70 miles of a hundred mile run is easy. The last 30, the wheels fall. It's right. But the first seven of a 10 mile run is easy. The last three, the wheels fall off. So really there's a 70, 30 rule in, in, in my opinion from doing all this over the years. And so it's anything you just, I don't want to swim across that bay. I'm afraid of sharks. That's hard. We're doing it. Like whatever, whatever the thing is, that's, that's got me a little nervous or I don't want to go with, um, is probably the thing I need to do. Yeah. So anything on the, the radar for, for this year, you're like, all right, this is going to freaking suck. I got to do it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go out and do world's toughest mutter this year. I'm pretty, pretty certain I'm saying it to you. So I, I'm locking it in here, but world's toughest mutter. I'll go out. I don't know how many laps I'll get done, but I'll give it a good college try. Well, there you go, man. Making it public. That's another thing from Spartan way. Make it public. Let it out. I love it. So with that world's toughest mutter, that's a good segue into some of the just extreme things that someone can find when they look up a, a Spartan race, a tough mutter. One thing that stood out to me in 2010. So this was my going into my senior year of high school. I was on the wrestling team and I was just obsessed with looking up, you know, who, who's the toughest of the toughest? Like what, what, what do people do? What races do they, do they do? I just started following David Goggins, discovering his journey. And then I found the Spartan death race and there's this video on YouTube. I think it aired in 2011, but it was of the 2010 race. And one of the challenges, these or people had 10 pounds of onions, $50 in pennies, and then a Greek textbook. And like that was what they were supposed to use to be guided. And then in the video, I want to say the person had the 50 pounds of pennies and someone threw a bunch of them into the pond and was like, hey, go find all of them. And it was like three in the morning. <laughs> like, and part of me is like, man, that's freaking brutal. But the other part's like, that is cool. I want to freaking do that. Like, talk a little bit about the death race and the genesis of that. And where do you think of some of these like elements of it? Because I know it changes every year. You know, being an entrepreneur and, and, um, and just having a crazy life, like, like I've been fortunate to have, um, you face some real challenges, right? You can't make payroll. Um, you lose your best employee to a competitor. Um, a hurricane shows up and blows away your obstacle, like crazy shit happens. Right. And I've, I've been fortunate to look at these, these, uh, physical races that I participated in that I didn't own let's say an Ironman or whatever. Right. And I would see all these people drop out because it's like raining. And I said, I don't, I don't know. Like I literally could not reconcile my, I don't understand. It doesn't say Ironman unless it's raining. <laughs> like that's not what you get to do when you run a business or you have a family or you have children. Like you don't have, there's no plan B. You got to just muscle through. So I said, I want to create a race that, that more closely emulates life. And, and it lies to you and uh, you don't know what the challenges are and there might not be aid stations and it purposely tries to get you to quit the way your brain does. Like, 
So, so that the death race was born and the death race um, is brutal. And there's not a lot of people that want to sign up for that. Uh, there's not a lot of people that finish. Um, but it's awesome because the graduates, even the non-finishing graduates, you know, the folks that, that came close, they go on to do unbelievable stuff. The messages I get, hey, I, I rode a rowboat across the Atlantic. Thanks, thanks to the death race, right? <laughs> I'm multi-summited Everest. I, I started my own company and now I have, you know, 800 people. Like the story is just unbelievable because the death race unlocked um, something that was holding them, them back. I, I just got a, a message, a guy sailing around the world um, was doing burpees on a sail, like this guy, Joel, that, that came out and didn't actually finish, attempted it a bunch of times, but I tortured him so much that like sailing around the world in a sailboat is no big deal. Yeah. You know? That's freaking awesome. Yeah. No, I, I love that. And there's, again, there's so much benefits for life. Like uh, I still am in touch with my, my high school wrestling coach and you know, that's something that, that helped shape me, but I often, I still show up to the room, help the guys out whenever I can. And I tell them like, Hey man, this is what has helped me push through the marathons. It's what's helped me push through, through life. You know, the Dan Gable quote, which is referenced in your, in your book, you know, once you've wrestled everything in life is easy, but the important thing is like, once you go through an experience like that, like the death race, the benefits transcend for so, so, so far beyond it. I mean, really for life. I want you to it's go out beautiful. To Let's go out to your audience and, um, and give people a, a window, like a one week window to join you late June on the farm. Um, you don't have to do it all. I don't want to scare your audience and to, you know, they might stop listening to you. <laughs> Let's get a group of folks out. No charge. It's on me. Um, you set it up. You just got to, you know, they got to raise their hand and say they're in. And if they, you know, maybe we say, Hey, just do 12 hours of it. Just get a, just get an appetizer, do the death race appetizer. Let's do it. Yeah. I've actually, this is perfect because I just launched a business with one of my best friends, uh, who's an inspirational speaker, Chris Singleton. It's called, it's called champion tribe. And with champion tribe, we really focus on creating a champion of life, someone that is that strives to live an upgraded lifestyle as it relates to our five key pillars, family, faith, fitness, finance, and foundation. Foundation being how you give back and serve. And, you know, fitness is actually one of our, uh, we're going through a fitness challenge this month, but we were talking about like, Hey, how can we, let's, who wants to go do a Spartan race? And I'm sure some of them probably didn't have a death race in their mind. That's where my head is. So I'll put it out there. Let's, let's do that. it. Where are you physically located? Where are most of your listeners located? They all over. Uh, Charleston, South Carolina is where a, a strong base is. And then Charlotte, primarily Southeast. Got it. Well, we have a Florida event coming up, Jacksonville, February. So you could, you, you could use that event too, if you want to um, bring a bunch of people down. Yeah, no, we got to go all in, go, go to the big one. <laughs> I love it. So on the death race, though, really, the, the death race is, is umbrellaed by a new project you have, Project 7. Talk a little bit about that, what that entails, and what was the, the genesis behind, behind that one? This, one is, this one's nuts. Well, we, we, 
we know based on our discussion here that we need big challenges on our calendar to kind of fire us up and get us to push much further than we would other, otherwise push. So I said, let's, let's look at our seven most grueling events around the world and um, assemble this thing called Project 7 and give people, you know, whether it takes seven years or uh, one year, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. But now you've got a checklist um, to fill your bucket. Like this is a true, this is a 55 pound, this is a 55 gallon bucket list, you know, mm-hmm. those little buckets you buy at Home Depot. Um, and so, yeah, that the project was born. Yeah. Cause within that you've got the death race. There is what world's toughest mutter. Patagonia run, uh, M2O, the toughest paddleboard race in the world. La Ruta, the toughest mountain bike race in the world. Um, come out and see what you're made of. That's awesome, man. I know that you once said, I think it was on Rich Roll's podcast, but on a variety of different outlets that with Spartan, you know, you want to to get people off the couch and to to do hard things, to push forward. Like we've definitely got so much opportunity, especially in this country. Get off the darn phone, get out and get after it. Explore, rather discover what you have up here, up top. And I noticed that the 2023 calendar carries you all the way from Southern California to Abu Dhabi closing out in in December. So, so all over the world, but here in the, in the U S like, has there been any, any push to like get schools involved? And cause if it was up to me and I know you were talking to Rich Roll about this, like going to, going to DC, you know, I would, I would make this somewhat mandated or, or something in school districts, get the, get the kiddos out, man. Cause that's what's going to really change their life. And I think what, will change the future generations to come. The greatest thing for schools, no, no doubt about it. We're working on, on ways to get to the schools. I, for the life of me, and I'm sure folks like you and me, we're just baffled that you can go through something like COVID and the discussion wasn't all about getting people outside, especially kids, and act like this thing is exciting. Kids get sucked up in it. It becomes part of their life. A kid, a kid that can't compete with his uh, friends in basketball or soccer or hockey because they missed the window or they weren't very good. And now maybe they give up on physical activity altogether. Here's a way to reinvigorate the next generation. Mm-hmm. We do it in 45 countries. We know that when you get these kids, I, by the way, in China, I get 25,000 kids to a race. Like they, they just do it differently there. The parents are pushing it. You know, we're, they're not um, say whatever you want about China. It's got a downside too, just like every government, every system, but sure. it's nice to see the parents push the kids. Um, so yeah, I'm, 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 my dream would be that somebody in DC would wake up and, and, um, and do something like that in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know what you'd name the position, whether it's uh <laughs> director of hard things for the, for the United States, something, but that would be that would be amazing. So since we're in a new year and I do love to talk about goals and systems, just curious if you do have some activities that you do at the start of the year to set you up for success. I know your routine and whatnot remains the same. Like doing hard things isn't something that just, okay, now we're gonna get started. No, we're gonna keep going. But 
as we're in the new year, you know, what are some things that you've done to set yourself up for success? You know, I, I, I set ridiculous uh, dates on the calendar for things, whether it's business or family, whatever. And I just push to try to get those things done. So I gave my team a bunch of stuff this morning to get done by the end of the week. And, um, and I just want to gain some momentum. Um, I'm a big believer in, in gaining uh, momentum. I'm definitely going to reorganize the way I handle my daily schedule. Like even podcasts like this, for example, I think I'm going to say, look, it's only in these windows when I mm-hmm. do this stuff so that it allows me, it affords me more time to, uh, to get some other things done. I got to get done on a daily basis. Cause what I find and I bet everybody's finding this is I go from, you know, digital meeting to digital meeting, to digital meeting, you know, you don't get a moment till I get any real work done. Right. Right. So, so what I'm hearing is just recalibrating your, your systems a little bit. There's some opportunity there. Yes. Good stuff. Before we wrap up, I have a little rapid fire session. Before we do that, Joe, anything that you want people to, to know as it relates to Spartan, Tough Mudder or anything exciting in 2023, where to keep up, what to look out for? I think um, if you're listening to this and you're scratching your head and saying, you know, I don't understand why people do this stuff. And I'm, you know, if I ever did consider it, I'm going to wait till I'm in shape. I would say you've got it completely ass backwards. Um, you don't get in shape unless you have something on the calendar. So get something on the calendar. It's not about the money for us. If you need a free entry, I'll give you a free entry. Like it's not that it's, it's, if you don't, if you're not committed, if you don't push that button and lock in and then, you're just not going to do the work. You don't believe me. Take a good look around, go to Walmart, look around and take a look at the size and shape of people these days. Um, Mm -hmm. Clearly don't have a reason um, to get, to get the work done. Um, So that would be my message. Get something on the calendar. Get something on the calendar. I love it. And I'll make sure that all of your social media websites are linked in the, in the show notes. People can find you Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, anywhere else. You can find me in Vermont on the farm. You can find me (laughs) all over the place. I love it. So apparently my kids have something going with me on TikTok. Oh, is in they, they made one for you or something going. Yeah. My my son keeps telling me, I think he's taken the video. I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's one thing I haven't downloaded because I, I avoid all distractions and I know myself. And if I have it, I'll probably look at it. I don't, I don't have my phone on me most of the day. Like I'm about to go into the office here. And for the last four years, like since I have a separate work phone, I don't even bring my personal phone into the office and I don't bring my wallet because I'll get distracted and I'll buy something that I shouldn't buy. You know, it's weird how the gummy bears just find their find their way into your bag. <laughs> so one last thing, Joe, it's the it's the rapid fire. And I call it one gem, one step, one book. So imagine that you're in an elevator and you're going up three floors. Someone new enters the elevator every time they recognize who you are and they have the opportunity to ask you one question. And the only amount of time you have the answer is how much time it takes to go up one floor. So not much time, a few seconds. So someone comes in, they they recognize you. They say, Joe, what's one step that I can take today to make 2023 my best year? Communicate like a movie star. Love it. 
Another person gets on one more floor. Joe, what's one gem that you have, whether it be a quote, a saying, a phrase, a lesson that people can use to become more mentally fit? I mean, I'll just give you the three. Work like an immigrant. I'm sure that's politically incorrect, but, uh, but work like an immigrant. Roger that. What's one book that someone should read to really hone in on, on their potential and make massive impact? Uh, the Endurance, the story of Shackleton being stuck in the ice with his men for two years. I love it, man. Joe, thank you so much for hopping on, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep up with Joe and all the amazing things that Spartan is up to. Joe, looking forward to keeping in touch. Happy New Year, everyone, and win today.